What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. OpenAI Sam Altman has something to be thankful for. He got his job back. The soap opera, I don't know if it's officially over, but I think we're into extra innings at this point. It's it's pretty much done. Could Sam have said, OpenAI, or Tachi, write me a I'm staying note. And crypto crime, Binance CEO CZ pleading guilty to money laundering violations and the DOJ taking action. I think he's getting off with a complete slap on the wrist. No, he is. Plus, it's the holidays. What about Turkey Talk Line? Hi, how can I help you today? The best is yet to come. Advice from Butterball. We don't want to put any butter on top of the turkey while it's roasting because butter has a lower smoke point and that is going to burn and smoke, so you don't want to do that. Once that turkey's perfectly cooked, we've got sip tips from Food and Wine's Ray Isle. The weird thing about wine is like, if the economy's bad, people drink. If the economy's good, people drink. But they do modify their per bottle spending. It's Wednesday, November 22nd, Thanksgiving Eve. Stuffing, gravy, and pumpkin pie. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand by, Joe, in three, two, one. There's Mike, Q. Good morning, and welcome to Squawk Box. Welcome back to Squawk Box. I assume you were here yesterday, but uh, we usually don't say that at 6 a.m. Uh, this is CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan. Uh, Becky is definitely here, although, Andrew, it was, uh, it was quite a commute, um, I think, on the West Side Highway. Our friend Mac, you, you had some issues, planes, trains, and automobiles. But uh, we're all here, and I expect to hear someone, oh, someone's slinking around here. She's here. <laughs> She's here. That's why. It's a terrible commute. They shut down the West Side Highway. That's what I just said. You missed that. Uh, we should have had your IFB in. You would have heard all that. Yeah, it was it's already covered for you. I already asked you about your plans. For you. You're not you're not making alligator today. That's in the front page of the journal. No, people, people making out. People are cooking Is alligator that the new thing in place. Fried, fried alligator. Fried alligator. Did you read it, Andrew? It sounded kind of good. And then you got a nice pair of shoes when it's all said and done, or a belt. Right. It's so like that's, like, that's taken over for turducken. Uh, There's a lot of gamey stuff that people are apparently using, too. Antelope, a bunch of weird stuff. I don't know about reindeer. Uh, That'd be cruel. That would be mean. That would be uh, yikes. Let's talk about the big news uh, that broke overnight, because a lot of folks uh, focused on it already this morning. OpenAI posting on X that uh, Sam Altman will now officially return as CEO. Former Salesforce CEO Brett Taylor and former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers will join AI's Open's board. Taylor was named board chair, and then Cora's CEO, Adam D'Angelo, uh, will remain on the board. Allman posted on X, I love OpenAI, and everything I've done over the past few days has been in service of keeping this team and its mission together. When I decided to join Microsoft on Sunday evening, it was clear that was the best path for me and the team. With the new board and with Satya's support, uh, I'm looking forward to returning to OpenAI and building on our strong partnership with Microsoft. Now, in response, Microsoft CEO Sachin Nadell posting in part, quote, we encouraged 
by the changes to the OpenAI board. We believe this is a first essential step on a path to a more stable, well-informed, and effective governance. Uh, and ousted Chairman uh, Greg Brockman posting returning to OpenAI and getting back to coding tonight. So uh, he hit the keyboard. Meantime, he also posted this photo. Take a look. 245, uh, 240, I say 2.41 a.m. Eastern Time with the comment, we are so back. So uh, the soap opera, I don't know if it's officially over, but it's, uh, uh, I think we're into extra innings at this point. It's, yeah, it's pretty much done. Two, two things like that struck else, that me. Was fast. I don't know if, like everything else, that was fast. I don't know if it's done. It looks pretty much well, done. I, right. no, there's, there's probably going to be other elements I wonder if it raises questions. Yeah, if it raises questions from regulators, because this is clearly no longer a non-profit. Could, could Sam have said, uh, uh, open AI, Tati, write me a I'm staying note? Because that's exactly how I would have exactly <laughs> exactly said it. I love the team with the help of uh, Larry. So go ahead. Sorry. The, the, no, I was just going to say the two big things that struck me is, you know, is the role of Brett Taylor. Um, Brett Taylor had a major role at Twitter as the chairman of Twitter. And you can look at his role in Twitter uh, both on a very good side. And there's a lot of people in the Valley who also see it on the very bad side. So on the very good side, he uh, held strong, was able to sell that company for frankly, probably twice as much as it was worth to Elon Musk, even though Elon was trying to get out of that deal. Uh, some people think he stuck it to Elon. I, I think Elon Musk uh, thinks very poorly of him uh, for lots of reasons, which is also interesting given the dynamic between Sam Altman and Elon and Elon's role in starting uh, OpenAI. But there's another piece to this, which was that there were questions about uh, the performance of Twitter, uh, when he was the chairman of the company uh, as a business, and then a separate question about um, whether he should have actually sold that business to Elon Musk. If you remember, there were people on that board and others around Twitter that said, you know, that it was in terms of the, the virtue of it all, and I'm not saying it was the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but they ultimately, obviously, not only sold it to him and, and, and said this was their fiduciary duty to do so, uh, but there were people who said that this was a public trust as well, in the same way, I, the only reason I raise it, in the same way that OpenAI, if it is going to be a not-for-profit, we'll see whether the... California state and the IRS wants to even leave it that way, um, would think about it as a public trust, if you will. So I think there's yeah. a lot of interesting elements there. Of course, I think the, the, the addition, though, of Larry Summers into this is an important one. Um, yeah, I agree. Not because he's some technologist, because of just, I think, how thoughtful he is about uh, so many different issues uh, that are out about society and, and the implications, and the of ethics. course, that AI is going amazing to have that, yeah. but it, And maybe we're going we're gonna to be back to one man's... Uh, you know, virtue is another man's vice, too, because some people would say. Some know, people have very ne negative views of life. Yes. You know, like who who made Twitter the public square? Was it the public square? Was the old Twitter a good public square? Is the new Twitter, depending on where you're sitting, people, a lot of people say now it's an actual public forum before it wasn't a public forum. So I, I wonder if we're going to go through all this with. With OpenAI. I bet you are. And look, I, I think with his position there, Brett Taylor's position there, he followed through on his fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders. Yes. And I think that that is what is Unless it was a not-for-profit. If it's not-for-profit. <laughs> yeah. But I think what, what you've basically done is kind of thrown out this idea. It was written into the company's bylaws before, the not-for-profit's bylaws, but the organization's bylaws before, that everything that was done was going to be done 
for the good of all humanity, not for corporate interests. And I think this really challenges that entire creation for it. Is this going to be done for the good of Microsoft and the other investors? Which you can understand their point. They've put billions and billions of dollars in. But let's really look at this for what it is. This was a coup of, of the board over the weekend where they said, we're going to make sure that we're doing this in the best interest for humanity. And the investors pushed back and said, hold up. Yeah, they, right? and, and then <laughs> we're going to make sure we have better governance, meaning we have more of a say in what happens here. There are people that think that Corporate interests and the good of humanity many times are aligned because a corporation can't function if it's not eventually going to be a positive. This is a slightly for, different question. In terms of at, uh, hiring people, serving customers, I, paying that, that taxes, part I agree with, everything but, else. However, that part I agree with. But if you're looking at the safety of a mission, and if you look at this the same way as, let's say, Oppenheimer, if you're looking at this as the or biotech, project, or biotech, potentially the most dangerous right. thing that's, that's out there, do you want commercial interests driving that, or do right. you not? You know, could you imagine the Manhattan Project run by corporate entities? Yeah. Right. Now that's actually the important point, Becky, uh -huh. because if you really think about it, you know, if this is if it is that dangerous, it should maybe it should be a not for profit. We don't know. We don't know what well, case by, by out. Just about everything should be then if it because if you well, really but have what was interesting in this in this case look, there are not for profits that do good things in America. I, I think we I don't I don't want to uh well, usually, I don't want to besmirch every not-for-profit right. and say because they're not-for-profit, they're, they're somehow failing. Well, the fire department's um, never going to turn a profit. And not that it's a not-for-profit, but there are things that need to be done and need to be funded. There's no doubt, right. There's no doubt right. about it. Right, and then it. the question is, but how is, how is it funded? And, and what happened in this instance, obviously, was Sam took a sort of unique approach, which is we're not-for-profit, but we need capital. And how are we going to get that capital? Right. Sort of it's Silicon Valley position. way to get that capital is to effectively create a for-profit institution with investors like Microsoft and others who can provide not just cash in that case, but the services and, and the, the, the servers and all of the equipment that was needed to actually build this out. OpenAI could not have done this without some for-profit entities contributing a significant amount of compute power. That, that and I, I don't want to besmirch. I don't want to besmirch Sam Altman because he has done everything to say, okay, I'm not going to take a stake in this. I'm not going to do anything to make a profit. Basically, you know, he has, has done this himself and is somebody they all follow. So I don't want to besmirch it. It is a great problem before. to have when you think of how powerful AI is going to be. I mean, we do need to make sure that it doesn't get out of control, but what it can do for healthcare and what it can do for computing Teaching. and science. And that's how it's so similar to biotech. Biotech can be... Look what biotech is going to uh, deliver to us in terms of, you know, quality of life and how long we live. But let's say someone decides to do something just unbelievably horrific. Like with mess it. with COVID? <laughs> like create like, COVID? Like gain of function. <laughs> you know, yeah, but you can imagine that it, but isn't right. it a great problem to have? But then we just got to make sure that, that we're wary and, and uh, you know, know that it can be you know, used for, for terrible things or it could get out of control or I, something, I or there could be an accident. Summers there, an accident. Honestly, thinking about some of these things. We're here today to announce the Treasury Department's historic action, the largest enforcement action in Treasury's history against Binance, the world's largest virtual currency exchange, for its consistent and egregious violations of U.S. anti-money laundering and sanctions law.
We need to tell you about another big story out there. Binance founder CZ Peng stepping down, Changpeng Zhao stepping down as CEO and pleading guilty to federal charges. This is a story we followed for a while, but this kind of came out of the blue, this idea that they were settling. Eamon Javers joins us right now with more on this. And Eamon, this was pretty interesting, too. Yeah, Becky, it was fascinating. This was something that we had never seen before. This was Attorney General Merrick Garland and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen appearing side by side to announce criminal charges and a plea deal with Binance and its CEO, Chenpeng Zhao, known as CZ. Now, Garland underscored that just in the past month, the Justice Department has now prosecuted the CEOs of two of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges in two separate criminal cases. First, Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX, and now Chenpeng CZ Zhao of Binance. The message here should be clear. Using new technology to break the law does not make you a disruptor. It makes you a criminal. Now, Zhao and others are charged with violating the Bank Secrecy Act by failing to implement anti-money laundering programs and for willfully violating U.S. economic sanctions. The array of illegal conduct allegedly facilitated by Binance was breathtaking. The U.S. government said that Binance did not renounce its U.S. business as it had claimed and instead worked with large U.S. customers to hide their locations. And the government said the crypto exchange even developed a process to notify VIP users if they became the subject of a law enforcement inquiry. And what's more, Binance allegedly facilitated terrorist financing for the likes of al-Qaeda, ISIS and Hamas, served as one of the biggest receivers of ransomware payments, failed to report transactions with websites that are devoted to selling child sexual abuse materials, and failed to report transactions for narcotics, fraudulent goods, and other contraband. Now, as for CZ himself, he issued a statement saying he had made mistakes and must take responsibility. Shortly after that, he posted a $175 million personal recognizance bond. And it's not clear exactly how much jail time he might face as a result of all of this. The expectation is maybe around 18 months, but we'll see if prosecutors push uh, for a longer sentence than that, guys. Back over to you. All right, Eamon, Joe and I are already going back and forth on this. Trying just to, not an FTX. I, I, I'm, looking for, some, I'm looking for some really not, good stuff in but there. But I, I think, like, this is where we differ, I, I think he's getting off with a complete yeah. slap on the wrist. No, he is. He, he, crea- he created a net worth for himself did he do a lot of $23 worth. billion. Dollars. He's only going to pay $50 million. He's being taken out of that position for CEO for yep. three years. He can right. come back in three years if he wants do to. Do we know he didn't and do any still of the really good stuff? They, well, I, the, 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 this like whole commingling and Sam. Or, uh, they made a point. CZ made a point of saying, CZ and the, and the company made a point of saying, we aren't accused of doing any of that FTX well, stuff. Well, we've thought about what, we, whenever we've right. had them all, we wonder. That's but the a, idea that they got so big so quickly, flouting U.S. law, knowing they were doing it, and right. admitting to each other in text throughout this or in different um, communi- forms of communication saying, and they get to keep hey, the we business. know we'd get slowed down. We know we'd get slowed down. Right. They get to keep the business. It's basically, right. I, I, I got a $23 billion net worth because I flouted all the rules, broke every law that exists. You're going to tell well, me you, to get back 50 million of that and maybe spend 18 months. He could get up to 10 years, but if he gets more than 18 months, he gets to appeal the whole decision anyway. So he's probably not going to get more right. than 18 months. It's a new technology. So look, here's wild, here's wild the West. deal that was on the table, right? <laughs> the U.S. government wanted to get crypto and these exchanges inside the U.S. law enforcement regime. 
they get to do that here. They're going to have monitors inside Binance. They're going to get access right. to all these SARS, all the suspicious activity reports going back years, right? That is a huge intelligence trove in terms of terrorist financing, drug dealing, all kinds of stuff that the U.S. Okay. gets. Is that called SARS? And, God, right, don't bring up well, SARS. Jesus. SARS, S-A-R, Suspicious Activity Report, not the disease. Uh, although it might feel like a disease if you're a financial that's institution. That's all we need. Uh, look, so the U.S. gets to assert control and dominance over this crypto exchange, which is the largest in the world and has access to all of this massive amount of data uh, and sends a signal to the global financial community that crypto is under the U.S. Uh, law enforcement Sam regime, which it hadn't been before. Off. And, well, he was an and in exchange, CZ gets to keep he's, the he's control of the business. Milk. He's going to do some jail time, and he gets to keep he's his billion. Right. Right. That's he's the a deal. criminal. He's going to do jail hey, time I mean, because he's what, what is It looks to me, and I don't know if they become the winner in this, uh, Brian Armstrong and Coinbase, um, the one company that's, that's yeah. tried to, I think, do it on the up and up. I, you know, that's my sense of it. But at the same time, obviously, the SEC has filed suits against it, not obviously in any right. kind of relation to, to these issues at all. But does Coinbase, which obviously is a publicly traded company, there are a lot of viewers uh, of our program, I believe, that, that may very well own that, own that stock. Is, is, are they the winner? Or does now Binance, now that it's in the system, do you see this company going public itself? What happens here? Well, look, I mean, I think it depends very much on what crypto buyers want, right? Do they want a U.S. regulated crypto exchange that operates under the law enforcement of the United States? Uh, or not. If they do, then you would think that this, these headlines would be a massive blow to Binance and people would pull their crypto from that exchange and say, wow, I didn't know that they were doing all this terrible stuff. I'm going to go with someone else. I, it, it's not clear that that's what crypto buyers actually want, though. I mean, crypto buyers, part of the appeal of crypto going back years was that it was, you know, out of government regulation. It was offshore. It was non-governmental. It was sort of this anarchic, anarchic thing. Uh, and that was part of the appeal of buying into the crypto space in the first place. So we'll see how users react. It's very different from a normal corporate situation where customers might react in a much more predictable way. Eamon, thank you. We have so much more to say about this. Thanks yep. for bringing us up to speed. Cheese will be next. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, we're talking turkey. Butterball is standing by and ready to take your top Turkey Day questions. Dial them up. You might just hear our next guest, Bill Nolan, kitchen expert, take your call or text or tweet. I have the number one question, first off, is how do you thaw your turkey? You know, you look at a turkey and when it's frozen, it's imposing. You know, people say, I don't know how I'm gonna thaw this thing. Do I leave it on the counter? No. Do I put it in the dishwasher? No. Putting down cooking TikTok and calling the turkey talk line right after this. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, Wealth Strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. 
Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Thanks for calling Butterball Turkey Talk Line. How can I help you? Butterball Turkey Talk Line. Línea de información del pavo. And it's time for a regular holiday tradition of ours. Here's Joe Kernan with more. Okay, we all know, it says here it's the day before Thanksgiving. We all know that it's the day before Thanksgiving. But what, what you may not know is Butterball, uh, the Turkey Talk Line, the experts are ready and standing by for their annual tradition of helping hosts with their uh, questions. We're talking about hosts. Those are people that are hosting people to come over for the perfect bird. Joining us now is Bill Nolan. I want to get a look at you, Bill, uh, of the Butterball Turkey Talk Line, because I'm used to that really nice lady. I'm used to that really nice lady who looks like she could, you could go to anyone's house in the country and she could be there cooking the turkey. I don't, but, you know, <laughs> but the great, a lot of the great chefs are men. So I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Do you know what you're doing? You know what? I do know what I'm doing. I've been a chef for about 25 years professionally, cooking right. in restaurants, teaching people how to cook. Seven years right. here at Butterball helping our customers. So you're in good hands, I guarantee you. Okay, good. I just miss her. She's still around. I, I loved her. But uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of people, a lot of people do. here. we got 50 get, people on staff. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of you get 100,000 calls uh, to help people. And I don't know what the most common uh question is do you know do you have the top three i do i have the number one question first off is how do you thaw your turkey it's always the number one question we've been open for 42 years here at the talk line 1-800 butterball uh you could call us text us number one question how do you thaw your turkey people you know you look at a turkey and when it's when it's frozen it's imposing you know people say i don't know how i'm going to thaw this thing do i leave it on the counter <laughs> no yeah. you know yeah do i put it in the dishwasher no you don't want to do anything like that you see these things in pop culture and tv of course these things aren't things you want to do but they're safe ways to thaw a turkey and that's what we're the, one of the first things we want to tell people how to do is how to thaw that turkey and then walk them through the cooking process what to do with leftovers. I mean, from start to finish, we're there to catch it all. Do you want to have people call or do you want me to say for every four pounds, you put it in for one day in the fridge or 30 minutes per pound in cold water? That's how you do it. I, I, I gave up some information earlier about how you get the turkey brown. You want to just, I, I think, what, which oil do you like better? You like the avocado oil or, or what, what's best to get it nice and brown? Well, first off, kudos on your on your thawing stats there. They were they were spot on, and uh, you know it's it's exactly how you do it. Greatest uh, as men, far are, as, great, great chefs are men, and I I, I cook. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That you cook. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. I mean, I think you're right. As far as browning the turkey, as far as oil, we recommend a vegetable oil. However, uh, my personal preference, I like avocado oil. Uh, it's my go-to oil now. It has a very high smoke point, which means it's not going to burn and smoke. You set off the smoke detectors, dinner's going to be late, you know, people get upset. Uh, you don't want to do that. So you just want to brush it with some kind of vegetable oil uh, that has a good enough smoke point where it's not going to burn. You know, contrary to our name, Butterball, we don't want to put any butter on top of the turkey while it's roasting because butter... Uh, it has a lower smoke point, and that is going to burn and smoke, so you don't want to do that. Definitely. I like 
your wire rack idea. If you don't have a wire rack, I said this earlier too, because that's how I get excited about, I don't know, I love food, but uh, if you use, you can use either uh, carrots or, or celery or something as almost a, an edible rack underneath the turkey instead of a wire rack. That's right. You know, and um, I, that's my personal favorite to use the vegetables, carrots, celery, onions, anything like that. Because, you know, it's going to, number one, it's going to make the kitchen smell fantastic while it's cooking. And it's going to serve the purpose of that rack. Because when we have the, we have the rack in there for a reason, it elevates the turkey. So when it elevates the turkey off the bottom of the pan, it allows for a little bit of a more even cooking and a little airflow down below. The vegetables will elevate it. And the third thing you can do is what we call the coil of foil. You take a little bit of aluminum foil, roll it out about this long, maybe about two and a half feet, three feet, and you just make it into a rope. You fashion it into a ring and you set your turkey right on top of the coil of foil. The nice thing about this one, as opposed to the rack, is when it's done, you throw it away. You don't have to worry about scrubbing that rack. And you get to say the coil of foil to like the people <laughs> that, the are, that, are the, yeah. that are in your house. I, that, that may even be better than the carrots. All right. They say we got to go. 165 is where the stuffing's got to get when it's done. 170 in the breast. Becky didn't get this wrong. 180. In the thigh. I, I thought it was 170. Maybe. 180 in the thigh for the best eating quality, right, Bill? That is correct, but Becky is correct that 170 is food safe in the thigh. So you are, some people will cook at the 170 in the thigh. That's okay. As long as it's over 165, it's going to be food safe. But the reason we go a little higher in the thigh, it's just a better texture of the meat because it's a dark meat, it's got a higher fat content. It's going to be a little more forgiving with the higher temperature. The texture of that meat is just going to be so perfect. But once 170 will work. I could definitely keep doing this. If uh, so, one eight hundred Butterball. People can call. If they call and say, "Can I speak to Bill Nolan?" Is that possible? <laughs> will you get on the phone? Uh, if I am here, I sure will try. Yes, I'm and I'm to, I'm here I'm all day today that. and tomorrow. Hi, Bill. <laughs> Everybody, call Bill today call bill and, and ask for i'm they just doxed you totally bill thanks right. thank you <laughs> great to be with you happy thanksgiving to you okay, and your listeners thanks thanks all right see thanks you. take care so turkey check now all that's left is to pair it what are you supposed to drink with turkey white or red you can drink anything with turkey because turkey doesn't have that much flavor even if you mess up the bird, Food & Wine's executive editor, Ray Isle, has you covered at the bar. What's next? Pinot Noir. Wow, that's really smooth. The finishing touch for your tables right after this. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand Joe by his mic cue. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick uh, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And the futures uh, this morning, even though I think uh, you know, some people might be 
kind of in uh, Thanksgiving mode already. I'm starting to think about I it. Am. A little, yeah, we kind of are. Uh, okay, yep. I got my Thanksgiving sweater. <laughs> my it's hard not to be when you know thinking what, about the turkey. You know what's coming? Stuffing with gravy yeah. and Yum. pumpkin pie, stuff like that. It's hard to think about stocks. We've got some last-minute wine recommendations for the holiday. Ray Isle joins us for that. He is the executive wine editor at Food and Wine and also the author of The World in a Wine Glass, and he's here with us this morning. Hey, Ray, let, let's just talk a little bit about the consumer because we just yeah. got these numbers from Lowe's, some concerns about discretionary spend it, spending for the do-it-yourself um, people who were coming, customers coming into the stores. Right. Does that play out? I mean, people were avoiding large purchases in particular there, some of those big-ticket items. Does that play out in the wine world and what, what impact does it have? You know, have? It'll, it'll play out to some degree in that people will down some, sometimes downshift, you know, what they're going to spend on a bottle, of, on any given bottle of wine. What volume tends to stay pretty much the same, especially fourth quarter. <laughs> so we still drink as much. You still drink. That's the, the weird thing about wine is like, if the economy's bad, people drink. If the economy's good, people drink. Um, and, and they, but they do modify their per bottle spending, you know. And so I think Particularly, you know, actually, I was just talking to a, a guy who's in, in the business here um, in New York, and he was saying that restaurant spending is for wine is wildly up right now, and retail is a, has, is a little slower. And it could just be people are, are moving their dollars from the, the off-premise to the on-premise um, and, and going out more. Well, that, is, that actually sounds like a sign of a pretty strong yeah. consumer, that people are actually not only going out but willing to spend money on alcohol when you're there, and there's a massive markup. On there's that. a massive markup. It's, I mean, it's... it's 200% of, of retail price, if not much more, depending on the restaurant. During, whenever Wall Street bonuses fluctuate, supposedly you can see it in, in, in the cost of the, the bottle. Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely can. And, and you see it, you see, when I mean, guys get big bonuses, they buy expensive wines. And, uh, like $600 a bottle. And yeah, like you, can, you can spend, I mean, even more. I think, you know, like Screaming Eagle, which is the kind of the top Napa, you know, superstar wine is... Somebody twenty five hundred bucks a bottle. You're not talking about Boston College. Screaming, <laughs> screaming, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I thought of immediately. When, yeah, when, that's when a, enough I, guys that went there, that, and they're all screaming eagles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are we going to drink this? Yes, we are. Absolutely. Well, you brought us some. I brought you. I brought you a number of things. It's more affordable. It's a more affordable wines that are kind of great for ho your holiday. You know, it's you know, six a.m. I'm aware of that, <laughs> and it's okay. It's a kind of a weird time to drink wine, but I, I feel you guys I hate have the wasting power to, it too. To, to move through here. Well, we get up early, so we've been up for a little while. Um, yeah, there are some people if you take a sip. Uh, they're going to end up underneath the set. Yes. Uh, luckily, we're not. Uh, <laughs> we're not. And, and I'm very serious. Luckily, we're not, because that would be a horrible. So, what do we got? Are we. Uh, well, we got, we got three wines. Frog's Neck, what is that? Frog's Leap. Frog's Leap. Frog's Leap. And you said that's pretty good, right? It's really good. It's, but um, that's not it's, our first one, is it? That's not our, fir our first one, is actually Italian. You can drink um, the white first. Okay, uh, drink the white first. Um, Tiberio, which is uh, from Abruzzo in Italy. Um, and this is their Trebbiano di Abruzzo. And it's. It's a wonderful white wine for 20, 20 odd bucks. And you would say it's, it's, is it more like a Pinot Grigio is, or is it good. more like a Chardonnay or it's Sauvignon? It's more on the or? Pinot Grigio side, so it's mm. lighter, a little crisper. Um, what kind of wine is it? Trebbiano de Bruxelles. And how, how, how cold is this supposed to be? Well, colder than this because it, unfortunately it's been sitting out for Because I like while. it cold and you're not supposed to drink it really cold. I like it really cold. Um, usually as... People in the U.S. we drink white wines straight out of the free fridge, so it's 38 degrees. I like them a little warmer than that, but honestly, with wine, wow. can I? You know what you this like? tastes like to me? Altar wine. I used to be <laughs> <laughs> altar wine. Yeah, yeah. it does. Uh, Former altar boy here. Yeah, exactly. Is it a huge faux pas to put an ice cube in a glass of white wine? 
You asking know, for a friend. If, <laughs> asking for a friend. Well, you know, the way I look at it, if it's a, a $600 bottle, maybe don't put the ice cube in the glass. If, you know, if, it's a, if you like your wine super cold and with ice in it, one of the problems with wine is people think there's like the right way to do things wrong. Thank I'm, you. I'm pro do what you like. Thank yeah. you. Eat what you, I mean, this is my rule about pairing with wine and food. Yeah. Drink wine you like with food you like. I, I know exactly you know. how long, <laughs> I know exactly how long it takes to put wine in the freezer in ice to get it. Really? Yeah, because if I forget and yeah. there's none in the refrigerator, oh, it's like, oh that? crap, I'm gonna be in trouble. <laughs> it, it is. So She's like, there's no wine in the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's, it's about 38 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it won't, you, and it's really and cold. It and it'll get really cold and won't freeze. Now, the problem is that dinner parties, people tend to put wine in the freezer and they wake up the next morning. They forget that it's, and there's, and it's pop. There's wine in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So wait, how much is this one and then we'll move This to wine's this. about, this is in the low 20s. So you have know, 22, give yeah. or take. Um, all right. And all these, all these wines today are in, are in oh, my book. So, yes. the, even, so yeah, consumers the book, by are, the way, which is just out last week. It is. That's cool. So the consumers are, they're buying, when they go out to dinner, they're buying, but are they buying the expensive? Can you tell, that whether, are they trading down? Not at all? You know, I, I have not heard in the rest from restaurant folks that people are trading down right now. And I mean, I what I've been hearing is that things are good. People are, are going yeah. out, they're spending money, which is super. Now, they, there's always a huge bump in the fourth quarter. Right? People people buy more wine, they buy more spirits, they throw more parties, they go out to eat. Okay. And what's next? Ne Far what's next? Pinot Noir. Um, oh, good. Okay. And this is. Um, Kutch Pinot Noir from Jamie Kutch, who was a former Merrill Lynch NASDAQ trader. No way. Yeah. Um, oh. And where's he, where is he's this? He's now living on a farm in Sonoma. He, Sonoma, he, okay. Uh, and and he, he was a trader for a while, fell oh, in love really with wine, smooth. decided to change his life, moved oh, to I Sonoma. I can't believe I'm having a drink. And beautiful right. Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. I like Pinot Noir. And I've been drinking Cabernet. I finally moved on to that. Oh, late in life. Yeah. Well, you know, people, your tastes change over time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's the plan, at least. Um, and Pinot, I find, is a great Thanksgiving one because it goes with everything. It's, you know, it's not too heavy. It's not too light. What are you supposed to drink with turkey, white or red? Um, you can drink anything with turkey because turkey doesn't have that much flavor. And it kind of goes with anything. The real problem okay. with Thanksgiving is you, nobody just puts turkey on their plate. They put turkey and green beans and sweet potatoes and mashed and gravy and everything. And Press, so yeah. you're kind of looking at what goes with a whole with plate cranberry full of stuff. Cranberry sauce. Um, or cranberry sauce. And yeah. um, that's why uh, Pinot kind of runs that nice line between the two. And you know who else is running a, a winery too? Kevin yeah. Ferry. From, he used to be at the CMB. Really? Yeah, he's out. He runs a finery out in San yeah. Francisco Bay okay. Area now too. Yeah, it's a. I mean. Not everybody, some people make a lot of money in tech or... or this is a Cabernet, the, the this Frog's is a, Neck? This is a Zinfandel. Oh, frogs, it's a Zinfandel? Frog's Leap. Um, frog's Leap. You keep frog's calling leap. it Frog's Neck. I, I frog's Neck, you know, that's, that's the a bridge. Door. The Frog's Neck's bridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's... John Williams started this winery and back in the 70s. He basically sold up, he showed up in Napa with a motorcycle, that's sold a motorcycle. Good. It tastes like a Cabernet sort of. It's, it's in that big, full, rich, like full-bodied... Yeah. Not but it's heavy. a Zinfandel, and it's a red Zinfandel. Zinfandel. It's a red Zinfandel. From where? From California, from Napa Valley. Napa yeah. Valley, red yeah. Zinfandel. And he, you know, he works organically with his vines. He makes terrific wines. Great Cabernet as well. Finger up or down? What's your... You know, I'm, I'm for fingers you. here. For me up? For you? Yeah, finger up, yeah. You know, the, and, you know, people always ask about, should they hold it by the stem, hold it by the bowl? 
Do you what know, you like. Short. Do what you like. Short version though is your hand is 98.6 degrees. Oh, so don't. And if you like warm wine, <laughs> this is a good way to hold it. <laughs> so. so in other words, don't. Yeah. Unless so you're going to offset it with a nice. Yeah. Could I impress my friends if I read your book? You could definitely impress your friends, and you can also work out with it, which is yeah. nice. But uh, it's a lot of. Uh, it's, um, it's a lot of stories. It's a lot of stories about people who live on their vin at the vineyard, make wine in a sustainable, you know. Way and I mean really great wines. I interviewed has 290 wineries profiled in here that I just wanted to get at you know a lot of wine is is it's fairly industrial and made in huge amounts and I wanted to get at people who are really making wines that express their their vision and the place it's from. Ray, uh, we always appreciate the picks and you've got a nice life. These uh, stories in your book tell people who have nice lives and we appreciate your sharing. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here as always. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I do have to say I appreciate my co-anchors. I appreciate everybody who works. Oh, that's us. That's us. why it's a, and it we're giving thanks. Me too. It's Thanksgiving, right? Look, we're all here. We're happy ready to go. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving guys. Thanksgiving. It, yes. it is a very special time. This is my favorite holiday because it's not about gifts. It's about spending time with family. Right. And I hope you all get the opportunity to do that. Um, that and does don't put the today. stuffing in uh, the night before. No, no, no. And happy Turkey Day to you, our listeners. Have a wonderful holiday with family and friends. We will be in your feed tomorrow with a special extra episode of Squawk Pod. And we're back at it on Black Friday, so you won't miss a thing. Happy Thanksgiving. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.